Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How you guys feeling today? All right. We are in Deuteronomy 21. Uh, Deuteronomy 21, and we're, we're, we're seeing the, the children of Israel, they're, they're uh, getting ready to enter into the promised land, and Moses is continually just giving them more and more instructions and rules. Um, I feel it's almost like, you know, uh, uh, a parent sending off their, their kids, right, after, after so many years under their roof, you know, and Moses knows he's not entering the promised land. He knows he's not going in, so he's giving them instructions and instructions, make sure you do this, make sure you don't do that, you know? Um, so uh, again, Deuteronomy 21, I'm going to pray and um, we're going to jump into it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time that we get to spend in your presence, spend in your word, spend spending fellowshipping with, with all of our brothers and sisters here. Father, we just pray that you be with us, Lord. Pray that you will just uh, speak to our minds, speak to our hearts as we receive from your word. Father, we thank you for what you're doing and each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Deuteronomy 21, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. If anyone is found slain, lying in the field in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess, and it is not known who killed him, them, then your elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance from the slain man to the surrounding cities. And it shall be that the elders of the city nearest to the slain man will take a heifer which has not been worked and which has not pulled a yoke. The elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a valley with flowing water, which is neither plowed nor sown, and they shall break the heifer's neck there in the valley. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. By their word, every controversy and every assault shall be settled. And all the elders of that city nearest to the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley. Then they shall answer and say, our hands have not shed this blood, nor have our eyes seen it. Provide atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed. And do not lay innocent blood to the charge of your people Israel. An atonement shall be provided on their behalf for the blood. So you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Verse 10, that when you go out to war against your enemies and the Lord your God delivers them into your hand and you take them captive and you see among the captives a beautiful woman and desire her and would take her for your wife, then you shall bring her home to your house and she shall shave her head and trim her nails. She shall put off the clothes of her captivity, remain in your house and mourn her father and her mother a full month. After that, you may go into her and be your husband, and she shall be your wife. And it shall be, if you have no delight in her, then you shall set her free, but you certainly shall not sell her for money. You shall not treat her brutally, because you have humbled her. If a man has two wives, one loved and the other unloved, and they have borne him children, both the loved and the unloved, and if the firstborn is of, is of her who is unloved, then it shall be 
on the day he bequeathed his possessions to his sons that he must not bestow firstborn status on the son of the loved wife in preference to the son of the unloved, the true firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has, for he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Verse 18, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out of the, out to the elders of his city, to the gate of his city. And they shall say to the elders of his city, the son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our, our, our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Verse 22, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's give it a stretch. Get your bustello and let's go. Again, Moses giving Israel instructions, giving them more and more and more laws um, for them to follow. Um, it says in verse one, if anyone is found slain. So so presumably we're, we're, we're thinking that the death um, uh, of this slain person has been ruled out by natural causes. Um, and it was evident that the deceased had been murdered, yet they didn't know who killed him. This was an important um, because based on, on, on the principle that's stated way back in Numbers 35, beginning with verse 33, it says, You shall not pollute the land where you, where you are, for blood defiles the land, and no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. Therefore, do not defile the land which you inhabit, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. This passage shows that the blood of, of, of unsolved, of uh, unavenged murder defiles and pollutes the land. Therefore, if, if a murder is unavenged, so, some kind of cleansing was necessary for the land. So, so the land would not be defiled. Verse 3, it says, if the elders of the city nearest to the slain man. So wherever he was, they would they would measure it out. And whatever city he was closest to, the elders of that city had to, had to handle it. Right. So so first the matter of jurisdiction had to be settled, where these elders were responsible to make a sacrifice to atone for and cleanse the, the murder polluted land. And then an appropriate sacrifice had to be made. It says a heifer which has not been worked. This heifer was sacrificed by the sons of Levi, the priests of Israel, in, in the presence of the city elders. And the, and the city elders, would they would wash their hands over the sacrificed um, um, animal. And, and the, the washing of hands, again, was done in the presence of the sons of Levi, who, according to verse 5, by their word, every controversy and every assault shall be settled. This is this a very uh, uh, powerful proclamation. By the elders, it's as if they're they're saying, "We have done all that we could to settle this case. We've investigated. We've looked into it. We're now clear from the guilt uh, uh, of the slain man, 
And, and of course, this is only a ceremony. This this ceremonial ceremonially washing hands over the sacrificed animal. It meant nothing if the elders had not, in fact, looked into it and had not, in fact, investigated um, this this murder. All right. So so apart from that, the washing of hands was was just as much an empty gesture if they had not actually investigated it as as when Pilate washed his hands um, at Jesus's trial in, in Matthew. It was just almost, almost the same thing. The elders had to actually do something. For, uh, verse nine says, um, so you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood. When Israel followed God's instructions for atonement, he honored his word by taking away their guilt. But the but 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 the removal of guilt was always based on a blood sacrifice. It was always based on a substitutionary atonement, right? And we see this if we're, we're, we're really reading into it, we are looking forward to the work of Jesus on the cross for the entire world, right? Everything points to Jesus. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you read the Word of God, right? If you really dig into it, you will see Jesus throughout the entire thing. Everything points to Jesus. In verse 11, um, it goes on to start talking about um, captive women. In the ancient world, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't uncommon for a man to take a woman from among captives, especially if she was a beautiful woman, right? But, but yet, you know, obviously, we, you know, we can look back in history and know that that this practice was open to great abuse. So God was going to give the children of Israel specific guidelines when it came to dealing with, with captive women. A few steps had to take place, right, before a man could take a captive woman and eventually make her his wife. First, um, verse 12 says, shave her head and, and trim her nails. So the first thing that had to be done was the captive woman had to be purified and had to, had to be humbled, right? So this, 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 was, this was showing a, a complete break with her past and a willingness to start new and humbly, right? <clears throat> verse 13, put off the clothes of her captivity and remain in your house. So the second thing, the captive woman had to show a change of allegiance. This showed that the, the captive woman no longer regarded her former nation. Now she was going to become a citizen of Israel. She was allowed to mourn her father and mourn her mother, right? So the third thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the woman had to do was mourn her past. This would be a time when, when she could resolve any issues in her heart regarding her family, you know, because um, let's, let's, let's be real. It would have been really difficult, you know, this invading army comes in, right? And, and, you know, everyone is killed, right? But you're taken captive. And now some dude from the army is like, hey, man, I want her, you know? Well, if it wasn't the children of Israel, it would, would, would have been a way more horrible experience because she would have been just treated as a slave. But God was telling Israel, you are not like every nation, right? You are not like every nation. You know, there are practices that the other, that these, these, these horrible other countries, these nations, they, they, they do to their captives. You are not going to be like them. So when you take a nation captive, right, and you see something that you want, you ain't just going to take it. 
you're going to follow some rules. So, and then, so um, when this woman was, she came in, her head was shaved, her, her, her old clothes were, were, were taken and she was given new clothes. And then she was allowed to stay in the home of the man who took her captive for one month. Right. And she just stayed there. He was not allowed to, to have intimate relations with her because they weren't married. You know, it was as if she was a guest in his house. Right. And so so this was a time for both of them. Right. It was time for him to really see, do I want this woman in my house? Do I want this woman as my wife? Right. Think of it, you know, in, in a weird way as like a courtship. You know, we're going to spend some time together. But again, no intimate relations. And, and so, 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 so he could see if he really wanted to take this woman as a wife and to make sure he was not making a decision based only on physical appearance, based only on attraction. Because brothers, how many times have we seen a woman and we're like, ooh, that's the one, right? You get to know her and you're like, ooh, this woman kind of crazy, right? She kind of cray cray, right? You know, don't shake your head, Nicole. I see you. I see you. But, but. But <laughs> all joking aside, this was really a time just to get to know each other, right? And get to know if this is and learn if this is if this is going to work out. But then after the 30 days, right, the decision can be made like, no, this isn't right. You know, I, I'm not going to be happy. She's not the one, right? And so he could um, just, just stop it right there. But it didn't mean she went on to be a slave somewhere else or a captive somewhere else. No, it says, verse 14, you certainly shall not sell her for money. You shall not treat her brutally. See, after this month of, you know, in the home, she's mourning. They're getting to know each other. The, 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 the potential husband was free to marry the captive woman, yet he didn't have to. But if he decided not to marry her, he had to set her free with dignity. He had to set her free. And this was this was a remarkable protection of, of the rights of captive women. Because how many other nations during that time, you know, it's like, well, I don't want her, you can have her. You know, and this 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 poor woman was was just passed on from, from house to house, guy to guy, because she was just a slave. She was worth nothing. But God was saying, no, she is still worth something. Just because her nation you know, is no longer around. We had to destroy their nation. Doesn't mean that she still does not have rights. Again, just remarkable. And a lot of times we read the Bible and we read about, you know, captive and destroy and kill and all this stuff. But if we dig even deeper, we're seeing that, that God still, you know, had a heart for the marginalized. And he still made a way. Verse 15, if a man has two wives... Okay, so a man has two wives, obviously there's going to be problems, right? You know, because it, it just doesn't it doesn't work. That was outside of God's plan, right? However, the customs of the time, it was normal for a man to have two wives, right? But it never worked out, especially if one wife was loved and one wasn't. Yet God commanded that the inheritance rights of the firstborn son would be respected even if the firstborn son came from the unloved wife, because it would be normal, right? And we read about it with Jacob, with his 12 sons, you know, 
Joseph was the son of the woman that he loved, Rebecca. He actually loved her. But Joseph was not the firstborn son, you know? And so he, you know, and, and we read how he, he showed him, prefer, you know, be- better treatment, you know? And so God was like, even if the firstborn son comes from the unloved wife, the firstborn son is the son of inheritance. And verse 17, a double portion of all that he has. This was the right of the firstborn in ancient Israel. The firstborn was to receive twice as much the inheritance as any other son. All right. So to put that into perspective, um, if there were three sons, right, a man had three sons, the inheritance would be divided into four parts. The oldest son would get two parts of the inheritance and the other two sons would get one part, right? The firstborn son always received the double portion. Verse 18, it goes on to talk about a stubborn and rebellious son. This doesn't mean, when it talks about son, this doesn't mean a small child, right? Because small kids, listen, small kids can be brats, right? You know, small kids, they're learning and they don't listen right? And they disobey and they do what they want to do. Okay. We're not talking about that. We're not even talking about a young teenager because sweet baby Jesus, you know, these teenagers, when they, they get to a certain age and in their teen years, you know, and they're, they're, they're pushing the boundaries and they're, they're trying to see how far they can take mom and dad. And, you know, we're not even talking about that. We're talking about a son who was past the age of accountability. A son that that was at the age where where it was time for him to answer for his own choices, right? A a son who who was determined to be rebellious against his parents, right? And so the parent, as as parents, it's their job to to train and teach, and when they mess up, to chasten them and to 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 punish them, you know. But the son is still rebellious. Okay, this is. A lot of steps have taken place before it gets to this next part, right? It's not just, you know, the first time my kid, you know, back talks to me, you know, I'm so, okay, now I'm gonna take it to the elders and there's going to be some consequences, repercussions. No, the parents have done their due diligence. And the, and, and the parents, you know, they've, they've, they've done a good job of raising their son, right? They've, they've raised their son in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They've done their very best. They've called the son to obedience. You know, and they've and they've chastened and punishment um, as appropriate before the Lord. But the son, the son is still being rebellious. The son is still being stubborn. It says, verse 19, bring him out to the elders of the city. So now the son will still be put before um, before uh, put on trial before the elders. Can you imagine that? You know, you just, you know, you think you're just being a kid, you you know, you're, you're trying to, I'm trying to find myself, you know, and whatever nonsense these kids try to say today, you know, I'm just living me, you know, it's my life. You can't tell me what to do. Okay. Okay. I can't tell you what to do. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to court. That's crazy. Right. But again, you know, we read the Bible and it's, you know, you have two verses and all of a sudden it's like, boom, take them to court. No, there's been a process, okay? Time has taken place and the parents are at their wits end. Their kid is just not listening, right? If the kid is determined to be, you know, very rebellious, continually rebellious, then the son was to be stoned to death. Craziness. How far does a parent need to get, right? Right. 
at their at their complete wit's end that they're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to put you before the elders. And when the elders determine that you've been a brat, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that you've been rebellious, that you've been stubborn, they're going to kill your behind. That's wild, right? And so it's important to note here that the parents could not by themselves just 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 kill their kid right you, you you know they could have been like all right listen listen i've told you you know time and time again take out the trash begin by 9 p.m you know when 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 the when the they didn't have street lights but when when the uh the bonfires go on make sure you're in the house you know what i'm saying quit messing around with those 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 bratty mobile kids you know they nothing but trouble whatever it is and they they're not listening okay you ain't doing it I right, get the rocks. No, 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 you know, it's, this is a, a long process. And, and again, the parents could not do them themselves. They had to go before the village or the, the, the tribal elders. And, uh, and they had to bring the son on trial before impartial judges. Okay. Because emotions, you know, parents, we, we can, we can allow our emotions just to really control our actions and how we, how we treat our kids. And so, the, so these parents were told, go before the, the, the city elders, impartial judges. So they, they can rule on the situation. This is a very, this, this is contrasted other, other nations during the time, you know, ancient Greek and Roman law gave fathers the absolute right of life and death over their children. If you grew up, you know, with the Greeks, if you grew up with the Romans, your parent could kill you, you know, and no one's going to do anything about it because, you know, your, your, your children were your property. They belong to you. You could do whatever the, whatever you wanted to them, you know, but this was, this was a, a control of parental authority more than it was an exercise of it, all right? God wanted to make sure the right things happen at the right time. The parents had had to take the boy to the elders of the community, not only because the decision of life or death should be taken out of their direct hands, but because the guilt of the stubborn and rebellious son was not only against his parents, but also against the whole community. Think about that, right? When you get to it, when, when a child was was so rebellious, it got to this point, right? It was the entire community had to come together and say no, right? Because they were a family. We, we, we look at Israel and they're, they're a nation. There's so many people, but this was one giant family, right? Think about it like that. You know, Fusion Church, we, we always say, you know, welcome home, we're family. And yes, and yeah, yeah, we are. But these were millions and millions of people who were legit family. You know, that's my cousin. That's my eighth cousin, twice removed on my mama's side. You know, like they, it was a huge family. And so they took everything that people did as if it was happening to them. It represented them, you know, and and you they knew that they were the children of God. So, you know, not only are you are you rebelling against me, you're rebelling against the community, but you're rebelling against God. And we're not going to let anybody rebel against God. And so this had to happen. Right. And it says 21 and all Israel shall hear and fear. This law was clearly intended to protect the social order of Israel. 
No society, listen, no society can endure when, when the young are allowed to rebel against the older, when the young are allowed to make war against the old. Perhaps just, just the presence of this law wasn't deterrent enough because we don't have any scriptural example of a son actually being put to death because he was stubborn and, re- and rebellious, you know? So, you know, I don't know if we can assume, but the Bible doesn't say it. We just don't know, but the Bible does not say, you know, oh yeah. And by the way, this, this happened, you know, on this date where this son was taken and he was killed, you know? So hopefully it was, it was deterrent enough. Verse 22 talks about um, hanging people on a tree. And then, and so someone was, was executed and, and they were hung on a tree and, 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 the thinking of ancient Israel, Israel, there was, there was nothing worse than, than being, there, there was something worse than just being put to death. Worse than being put to death would be put to death. And then your corpse was left to be exposed to shame, to be exposed to humiliation, to be exposed to the animals, you know, scavenging off your body. The, the, the idea of hanging him on a tree doesn't have the idea of, of being executed by strangulation. You know, they didn't, it wasn't the idea of putting a rope around your neck and, and, and choking, you know, it, it was, it was the idea of you were executed and then your corpse was mounted. It was displayed in a prominent place for everyone and anyone to see. It was to expose the, 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 the person to, to disgrace, to expose them to the elements it says his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day. If anyone was executed and deemed deemed worthy of such a disgrace, the humiliation to his memory and his family must not be excessive. This was a way of, 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 of tempering and, and, and controlling even the most severe judgment with mercy. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. The punishment of being um, hanged on a tree and left to open exposure was thought to be so severe that it was reserved only for those for which it was declared that this person is accursed of God. You had to do something really, really bad to be called accursed of God. That's like the worst of the worst. The Apostle Paul he, he expounds on this in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, uh, beginning with, with verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus not only died in our place, but he also took the place, took our place as the accursed of God. We were just in the Easter season and, you know, we talked about continually, you know, Jesus, the sacrifice, going to the cross, you know, his execution, his, 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 his beatings and all that stuff, right? We're not going to get into all that, right? But Jesus took our place as the accursed of God. He was hung on a tree in open shame. He received this curse, which we deserved, and he did not. 
so that we could receive, as Paul said, the blessing of Abraham, which Jesus deserved and we did not. See, we are redeemed from the curse of the law by the work of Jesus on the cross for us. We no longer have to no longer have to fear God or fear that he wants to curse us. God wants to bless us, not because of who we are, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Again, we read even in the book of Deuteronomy, we can see it pointing to Jesus and what he has done for us. The place that he took for us so that we would not have to die, so that we would not be accursed of God, right? It's a, and it's just, that's just an amazing thought that he who knew no sin chose for you and for me to be called cursed of God. He who had known God since before there was time, always was, always will be, since before everything, he, and go even deeper, he created us knowing that we would betray him, knowing that he would come and die for us. And he still created all of us. That's who Jesus is. Brothers and sisters, no matter where you read in the Bible, you will see Jesus. He has always been faithful. And today he is still faithful in our lives. He's always been there. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. So come on, that is a promise that we can hold on to. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you that your word continually points to your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died for us, who, who, who chose to take on the title of accursed of God, the title that we deserve, the title that some of us still walk around thinking that is on our shoulders, but Christ took it away from us. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, we praise you, and we just thank you every day. Father, speak to us throughout this day, Lord. Bring this word back to our memories. Father, I pray that that as we continue to meditate on this, this passage of Scripture, Father, that you would just open up new things, bring up new truths for us to, to, to think about, Lord. Father, we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, love y'all. And I'll see you again next week. God bless.